It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mike Evans, Mark Schlereth here, along with Scott the Hub producing the show. Little Benny. Benny, uh, Millennial Ben helping out today as well. Thank you, Millennial Ben. Appreciate that. That's a shout-out to you. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Another uh, crazy week in the NFL. Uh, we saw the Steelers get off the mat with uh, with Mason Rudolph. How about the numbers Mason Rudolph put up, huh? Yeah. I mean, now, everything, understand, everything pretty much was to the running backs and uh, underneath passes and all that kind of stuff. But here's the one thing that blew me away about yesterday. I'm watching the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know, you know, I've made fun about, you know, get the next new innovator, the young coach, right? The guy that has the Oda McVeigh on him, right? A little bit. Hey, he rubbed up against McVeigh once. He smells delicious. Let's make him our head coach. Here's the thing. If you don't control the line of scrimmage, you don't win in this league. I mean, I can't tell you. I'm watching Andy Dalton just get, I mean, pummeled one after the other. J.J. Watt, Hargrove. Um, Dupree, I mean, they are just, they're living in the backfield. Sacked eight times. Eight times. He, I mean, for crying out loud, Mike, in 1991 with the Broncos, not Broncos, with the Redskins, we gave up nine sacks in 19 games. Eight freaking sacks. It's it's unbelievable to me. Now, I know the league has changed some. You know, we we played with a lot of, you know, tight Well, actually, no, it hasn't really changed that much. See, here's the difference. Our tight ends... Donnie Warren, Ronnie Middleton, Terry Orr, our tight ends could do something we used to call block, right? We could block people. Lord have mercy. This league has got this league has got to do something about how god awful the blocking is and how they don't work on the nuance of football and how we've eliminated contact out of practice and how we don't let guys learn the position it's a skill like any other skill and when you don't work on it guess what happens you suck ass the Bengals suck you know I'm I'm, I'm sorry you don't block people in this league you don't get to win that's the way it works you give uh, Steelers now that they've finally got their first win you give give them some some chance hope that they can you know still Play themselves back into playoff consideration. Oh, no. Teams that start 0-3, long, long odds. Yeah, long odds. Um, backup quarterback. Obviously, they sprung some wildcat. Did you see that wildcat? They were, they were, and I'm using air quotes here, throwing the ball out of wildcat. Jalen Samuels, three for three. Yeah, I think they, uh, I think they ended up doing that. Uh, you know, eight times or so, something you don't see. So that was kind of like go back old school to Miami back in there. Remember when Miami broke out the Wildcat against the New England Patriots and rushed for 200 and some odd yards, and, you know, nobody really could defend it. Then everybody had it. Then it all went away. This is kind of one of those, you know, let's trick you and let's get a win. And good job from a coaching staff, good job from uh, Mike Tomlin, putting that in there, getting that, uh, you know, getting those yards, um, creating something that's really hard to defend. It's kind of what – you know, it's kind of what's going on um, to a degree um, in Baltimore. You know, and 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 not that – and I'm not calling because I know I'm going to get people like, what are you talking about? You know, Lamar Jackson is throwing the shit out of the ball, you know, and all this. I, I, I know – listen, here's what I'm – here's what I'm meaning about that. And, and Lamar Jackson, tip of the cap, although you did get pummeled by the Browns and you threw a couple picks – but he has played pretty well. He has played, I mean, he's throwing the ball exceptionally well um, down the football field and all those things. The difference between that system and, like, what I saw in Arizona, which is just 
you know, I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, the air raid system, right? The uh, we don't want to run the ball system. I, yeah, whatever that is, uh, because um, you know, I'm not a believer. I just don't believe you can be successful with that. Uh, I, I, I just don't believe. I mean, I don't, I don't care who you are, Mike. You could go to the Hall of Freaking Justice. I mean, and you could get Superman and Batman and Aquaman and Stretch Armstrong and the Green Freaking Lantern. And you're not going to drop back 50 times in this league and be successful. I, sorry, you you cannot you can't spread your offense out five wide receivers or you know or ten personnel four wides and a back and spread that guy out too and think five offensive linemen can survive in this league against the defensive freak shows that we have. I mean, these guys off the edge, Mike. They they're 260 pounds, 255 pounds. They all run four you know four two, four, three, eight, and you're like, okay, we'll spread you out and let this 320-pound oaf get you. It's not how it works. So good luck, Arizona. You know, I, I hope it works out for you, but, I mean, that's a sinking freaking ship. But anyhow, back to what I was talking quick, quick about. Quick point of order, by the way. I yeah. do not believe Stretch Armstrong was in the Hall of Justice. I think you're right. He's I, just a doll, right? He's just like a doll. He was a great doll. Great though. doll, man. You could do some. Did crazy you have a stretch on stroke? Who, did, who didn't back in the yeah. day? Yeah. Come on. At what point do you go from Mr. Toe? Remember Mr. Toe? Yeah, absolutely. But at what point do you go from Stretch Armstrong is cool to let's drill a hole in his butt and put a firecracker in there and blow him up? Like, at what point do you get to the point where you're like, let's blow the shit out of Stretch uh, Armstrong? Twelve years old. 12? Yeah, 12, 13. Like you got him for about six, seven months. He's cool. And eventually, you're like, I can only stretch him so much. Now what? Yeah. Let's blow him up with a firecracker. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> such, a, yeah, such a boy thing. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, I digress. The thing I was telling you about the Ravens, Mike, is they are, they are different. Um, they're uniquely different in that they run this kind of collegiate run system, but they – you know, you think of it as a spread. You think of it as this college spread system, but it's not. They do it with three tight ends. They do it with two running backs. It is like this power run spread system, which and it's it's a condensed, if you will, a condensed spread. It's not spread in the traditional sense, and so they're uniquely built. I mean, really uniquely built. And the thing is, is you know, at what point? Do teams start to go, okay, here's what they are, and here's how, you know, we figure out how to defend it. Um, but so far, teams have had a really tough time with it, and I think it's because it is big. It is heavy. It is, you know, it is power football with a with a guy that is that is actually throwing the ball down the field really well and getting, you know, getting those single one-on-one matchups, um, you know, to, to receivers and tight ends and, and – um, they've got that little, that, that cat down there, Hollywood Brown, who's, I mean, he's just making plays all over the place, but there's a lot of just single coverage on those things. So they're uniquely, they're, they're not a unique, they're not a spread as much as they are kind of a, a power run spread. I don't even know what to call it. You know, I mean, we got West coast, we got, I don't know what you call that. They're inventing something. Yeah. It, it, it's morphing right before our eyes. Now the issue for Baltimore was their defense. First time in the John Harbaugh era that at home they gave up 40 points and over 500 yards of total offense. So one thing stayed consistent. Uh, Baker Mayfield talked tough after a Browns loss, and he yeah. talked tough after a bounce-back win. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's— This guy just 
This guy's just determined to just walk around with the world's giant biggest chip on his shoulder, isn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, six foot tall, six seven with the chip. Um, I, you know, I, I have openly rooted against him simply because, you know, the world's against Baker Mayfield, apparently, right? Although he's in every freaking commercial on the face of the planet, for crying out loud. I, 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 I again, I like, I always wonder about when a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. gets two catches for 20 yards. It's his, ties his all-time low for number of catches in a game that he's healthy in and sets a record for the lowest number of yards he has. And, you know, I... Like I've said, it's it's one thing to deal with adversity. I think it's more difficult to deal with success. And, like, you know, guys want theirs, and guys want to build brands, and guys want this, and guys want, you know, I know, here's what I know about Odell Beckham Jr. He's exceptionally talented. And he's competitive. And he not only wants to win, but he wants to be, more importantly, probably the reason that they win. And when he's not, then I think, you know, how do you deal with that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe he'll be just fine. Like, maybe he'll be great. Um, You know, he had seven targets and two catches for 20 yards. I can't imagine you put another game like that up and there's not some barking and some, you know, anger that's going to be associated with that. Well, speaking of receivers barking, did you hear Adam Thielen? After the Vikings lost to the Bears, he said, look, can't expect to run for 180 yards every week, even if you got the league's best back in Dalvin Cook. At some point, you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to throw the ball down the field. And you can't. You have to have balance in this league. You, ch- you can't just try to run the football all the time. You have to throw the football. Uh, already, the uh, Gary Kubiak running an offense that you know very well. Mm-hmm. It was the offense that you used to win two Super Bowls in Denver, but when he was in Denver, here with the Broncos, he won a Super Bowl, but the relationship with Peyton Manning never seemed comfortable, and there were a lot of charges against Koobs that his offense is uh, out of touch, out of date, archaic. We uh, seen evidence of that again did, in Minnesota. Did you, yeah, did you take that as a shot to the offensive coaching staff, did you take it as a shot to at, at Kirk Cousins? It, it, maybe a little bit of both. I mean, you know, they won a game week one where they threw the ball ten times. I think Kirk was eight of ten in that game, week one game, where they win that game. And it's cool to get a win, right? I mean, that's that's a everybody loves to get a win, but when you play wide receiver in this league. And you throw it ten total times, yeah. And Dalvin Cook is special, and you know, I and I get that, but um, I I do agree with him in this. Balance is important. You gotta have you gotta have balance. But I'll also say this: the Chicago Bears are special, man. They're special, and when you put them on film, like I did for the Week Two matchup against Denver, they reminded me of those great defenses of the past. And I told you, man, I'm, I'm watching them film. I literally got diarrhea watching it. I mean, I'm like, how do you block Akeem Hicks? And how do you block Eddie Goldman? And how do you block Khalil Mack off the edge and Leonard Floyd off the edge? And Roquan Smith is a speeding bullet. I mean, 
the guy is just all over the freaking football field and his ability to read what's going on and react. And and I'm talking to Vic Fangio, who's the head coach of the Denver Broncos, about him. I'm like, dude, he's like a combination of Ray Lewis from a diagnosis standpoint and Junior Seau from just, you know, shot from a cannon. And, you know, I'm talking about the, the 1990s Philadelphia Eagles that had Re- – uh, Reggie White and Mike Pitts and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and Byron Evans, middle linebacker, and Seth Joyner at outside linebacker, and, you know, and um, Eric Allen at cornerback. And I'm like, they remind me of those those dominant defenses. They were always number one in the league. And Vic Fangio just looked at me and said, I'm not going to disagree with anything you just said. Like, that's how – and he just coached them a year ago, you know. They're that talented. So – you know, I get the the frustration that Adam Thielen has. I understand that. I also understand that as a coach, you're like, hey, if we drop back 35 times, genius, those dudes are going to kill Kirk Cousins. And then, you know, where do you go from there? I mean, who's their, their – Kyle Sloter? Or, no, he's not – they cut him. He's in Arizona now. Uh, you know, who's their backup quarterback? I, I just did a game, and I don't even remember their backup quarterback. That's what's wrong with me. I can't remember anything. Sean Mannion. Oh, that's right. Sean Mannion. Yeah, good luck. Good we're luck, all, Sean. We're all counting on you, Sean. Go in there and give them hell. Uh, <laughs> Vic Fangio, the Bears defense has done just fine without Vic Fangio. The Fangio bump mm. that you were looking for, that many Bronco fans were looking for. Hey, uh, that, that meanie, that, that. Big bad Vance Joseph is gone, so right. happy days are around the corner for the Broncos. No more days of five and eleven and six and ten. Mark, they're actually worse. Yeah. They're zero and four. Uh, Bradley Chubb is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Uh, you 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 had veterans, uh, you know, allegedly saying, you know, thirteen more weeks, I'm out of here type mm. stuff with Chris Harris Jr. Right. You had fans going. You know what they should have done? They should have used more time on the clock. That's what they should have done. And Emmanuel not Sanders should have run around for a while. Right. Not giving not giving the Jacksonville Jaguars any time at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. This offense that averages 15.3333 to infinity and beyond, right? They can score at will at the end of a game against Jacksonville. I mean, you score when you can. Hey, when you suck, you score whenever you can score. You're not like, wait a minute, guys. Now let's slow this thing. We average 15 points a game, and we're absolutely horseshit in the red zone. But let's slow this bad boy down. I know we need seven. Let's slow her on down. You know, let's put the brakes on this son of a bitch. This train is rolling. Like, come on now. You you can't score anyhow. And, I mean, and the Broncos, I mean, we rolled into this thing. We, what do I got a turd in my pocket? Apparently, the Broncos rolled into this thing. Remember how many people were rating them as, hey, they're a top five. They may be the number two defense in all of football. I bought into the hype. Yeah, well, guess what? They're not. And there seems to be a little bit of a rift because, what? You go out. I mean, think about this. Now, I know they gave Chris Harris Jr. a bump in pay, right? But they're basically saying, hey, listen, this is probably it. This is the last year. We didn't want to sign you to a long-term deal. You were in the last year of your contract. So we just didn't want to We didn't want to do that. You've been a top five corner, a top five 
slot corner for pretty much the entirety of your career. So I'm talking to Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, when they were playing Denver, and he referred to Chris Harris Jr. as the best slot cover corner in all of football, bar none. Done. So you've been at least a top five corner, a top five player in your position your entire career. You've got one year left on your contract. You want a new long-term deal. And you basically signed at that position. You know, you're a top five corner and you're not, you're probably not paid in the top 25, right? And so you come to the Broncos and say, man, we want you guys to make this right. We want a new long-term deal that puts us, not the number one paid corner, but puts us in the conversation, right? The Broncos decline. And yet they go out and spend that amount of money or essentially that amount of money on Kareem Jackson, who's a fine player, but has never been top five in his position anywhere, ever. And, oh, by the way, he's the same age as you. And so you've got to understand, John Elway, the general manager, my you know former teammate, you've got to be, you're, you're, you're a Stanford grad, you're a smart guy. A really smart guy. You you don't you have to understand that Chris Harris Jr. is probably the most respected guy in your locker room and you just took a shit on him? I mean, don't do you not do you have to understand that? I mean, in, in I'm not and I'm not saying I'm saying you have to be aware because I guarantee you the guys in the locker room are you are going really? Like, this is how we're going to treat the guys who are pillars in the community and have done it the right way and have, oh, by the way, been the best player at their position for a number of years. And we covet somebody outside of the uh, of the organization who's the same age, uh, approximately the same age, and we're going to pay that guy and not pay our own? Like, like that's those are the conversations that happen in a locker room. Anyhow, I mean, I know I'm on my soapbox, well, but. Well, it's it's tough times for the Broncos. They're 0-4. They're staring up at the Raiders right. of all teams, who are 2-2, two and two, but will not have Vontez Perfect. Mm. Suspended for the rest of the season. That did not take long. He has received 13 suspensions. He received 13 suspensions and fines in seven seasons with the Bengals. And uh, already now suspended yeah. with the Raiders for the rest of the season. I mean, is think this- about think about this on those suspensions. Cost himself just in fines, Mike. Just in fines, half a million dollars, approximately a little bit less than half a million dollars. That doesn't include the game checks he missed. So he's cost himself millions of dollars. And I'm meeting with Paul Gunther, their defense coordinator, who was his coordinator in Cincinnati. Brought him to Oakland. Said, we're wiping the slate clean, dude. But listen, you're on, like, you're on borrowed time. You're one, you know, you're one suspension away, one throwing of the fist away. You know, you're you're one big hit away from being suspended for life. Like, so he knows going in here. And it's funny, my producer for Fox texted me yesterday because we're sitting in the same meeting, and Paul Gunther said, this guy is the smartest football player I have ever coached the smartest. He knows what every guy on the defense's responsibility is. He knows where everybody's supposed to line up. 
He knows what every offensive formation, what their the like what their three favorite plays out of every offensive formation, like every personnel grouping. They like and he when you watch him on film, Mike, he is a great, not a good player. I mean a great player. And he just knocks the shit out of people. Explain then how that happens. Any you you know better than anybody. It it takes a special mm-hmm. kind of person uh mentally to go out and do what you guys right. do every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to flip that switch to to go to a place that you know a lot of us probably have a hard time comprehending. But yet he goes to an even different place. Yeah. How? I, I mean, it, how I, can how can you not so control that? that? So my 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 producer was like, "How how in the world is he you know, is he have Smart. these accolades yeah. of being the smartest guy that this coordinator's ever coached and and still having this issue. And I said, just because you're a smart football player doesn't make you smart, right? I mean, they're mutually exclusive sometimes. And he goes to this place where he's like having this out-of-body experience. And, you know, I mean, it, I guess we... I guess you have to be able not to be malicious, but you have to be able to be uber aggressive and not that you're trying to you know, like I don't think you're ever trying to physically hurt people like you're you're like you're conscious of saying there's a few guys that have played that are that way. But I think most of us have this internal kind of voice that says, I want to knock this motherfucker out, right? Well, you always Part say, you, you, no, but you always say, you know, I, I went out there with the idea I wanted to break his jaw. Right. You didn't really want to, if you had a chance, right. to break his jaw. But your mindset was, I want to break his jaw. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to pull around here, like on a, we used to have the, you know, the blindside blocks used to be, you know, readily available. <laughs> like you, it was part of the game. And when you ran a screen, if you were, they call it the kickout guy, right? And there, so the front side guy is a kickout guy. That like if you're if you're running a screen to the left and you're the you're the left guard, your kickout center is the center is inside, right? Take out the inside force or whatever, and the backside guard is the peeler. They call it right. The peeler is the greatest job in football. Because that defensive end all of a sudden realizes, oh, shit, here's a screen. He puts his foot in the ground. He turns around, and you try to snot bubble that son of a bitch just right in his freaking chin. I can't tell you how many knockout shots I've gotten. Uh, You can't do it anymore. It's illegal now, right? But, oh, you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm the peeler. I got a guy in practice once like that because it was like it was considered okay. And I mean, you hit those dudes, and it's just ass over tea kettle. <laughs> I mean, the back of their helmet hits the ground, their feet are in the air, and you're just like, "Yes, yeah, son of a bitch," you know, the peeler, right? The peeler, <laughs> and then you know, and then that's why as soon as an interception's thrown, you're like, "Uh oh, where where are they coming from?" Here comes redemption, yeah. Revenge. Ah, <laughs> they're looking so, for. I'm looking for 69 right yeah, away. Yeah. So and you know, I've I've gotten I've gotten peeled myself a few times. Um, but anyhow, that's, that's kind of how the game works, but it's not like in your mind, you're thinking, I want to break this son of a bitch's jaw, 
but you're not really. It's like the the whole Bounty Gate thing where they suspended Greg Williams because you know he was saying let's let's go out and knock a fool out. I mean, come on, that's how we talk. It's it's football vernacular. But I think you know, 99 guys out of 100 don't honestly want to end somebody's career. They don't really want to injure somebody. And there's a few guys out there that you know suspend reality and and they cannot. They can't overcome it, and I think he's just one of those guys that sees an opportunity to knock somebody out, and he's like, yes. couple of quick thoughts. Speaking yeah. of adversity, got to be impressed with how the Saints are dealing with that. Oh, my gosh. Drew Brees. It's um, I mean, well, what, a, what a tremendous defensive showing against the Cowboys the other night. They, no, no question, and, and um, I'll take it a step further. What they did against Seattle for, you know, three quarters, shutting down their run game. Now, I'm telling you, Russell Wilson, you know, ran around and made a bunch of off-schedule plays, and they had 500 yards of offense or whatever. But they dominated a line of scrimmage. There's a bunch of third ones, fourth and ones, where their D-line, 93 and 94, and guys just, I mean, stacking dudes, shedding guys. They were they were great. Uh, what's the kid's name? Demario Davis, 56, is flying around, hitting people. I mean, they are really, really, they're vastly underrated, you know, because they're, they're the Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees-led Saints, and that's all you think about. Um, talking to Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll said, man, we dramatically underestimated 41. Alvin Kamara is maybe the best back in football. And Seattle prides themselves on making tackles. They just don't miss. They, they've been the best tackling team in football for years, Mike, for years. And Alvin Kamara made guys miss right and left. It was it was absolutely amazing. And so, you know, that's what they're doing is incredible. I will say this, though, since I, I brought up Seattle. Seattle right now has three linebackers that almost play every snap of the game. They are the one team in the league that doesn't substitute. Chicago doesn't do it a lot either because they have Trevathan and, and – Roquan Smith, but they have three linebackers in Michael Kendricks, in Bobby Wagner, and K.J. Wright that are playing as well as any team in the league. And in that Saints game, Mike, those guys didn't – it was the DBs that were missing tackles. In the Saints game, they – Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright, 63 total tackles. They had 31 of the 63, the two of them. I mean, they are all over the place. I've got a shout-out because they're playing great – and in Arizona last week, I called the game. They lined up to 10 personnel with three linebackers. Ken Norton Jr. is their, their defense coordinator. goes, man, this is old school. We don't take our linebackers off the field. It, it's impressive what they're doing in Seattle right now. I, I just love the energy Pete Carroll brings. You know, he's hooping and hollering on the sideline. Carson, uh, Chris Carson's running the ball. And he's, I mean, he's high-fiving everybody. He's, he's a piece of work. So, just a really good, really, really fun to watch. Kind of some old school football, some old school tendencies kind of creep back into this league. Well, a lot of great storylines. We, uh, we 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 only scratched the surface, so right. the, there's more more to cover as we by move the along way, throughout the week. By the way, both of us zero and three, zero and three in our moneymaker picks. Moneymaker Ugh. picks. So hope you guys didn't follow our suggestion. No. I hope you went opposite. Yeah, that's right. Hope you guys went. Made opposite. you a lot of money if you went opposite. Yeah, you should. Hey. That's how we do it. That might be the strategy. That's how we do, folks. That's how we do. All right. Well, we're not going to do it this week because I'm off to London. Jolly, jolly ho. 
Throw another shrimp on the bobby. No, that's not. That's not London. Have some bangers mm. and mash. You know what I'm going to have? Some tea and strumpets. Okay. What, are you trying to get me in? Oh, really? Yes. No. All right. For everybody associated with the Stinky Truth Podcast, I'm Stink. Uh, he is Mike. Sorry that we cussed. Um, love you guys a lot. You cussed, not me. Oh, I did cuss. I got excited. You got I'm sorry. excited, yeah. I love Jesus. Sometimes I cuss a little bit. I'll uh, try to clean that up. Um, for everybody involved, we thank you.